Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. to my live interview today with Jody Hardy. I am so excited for you to hear Jody's story because it's almost unbelievable. Um, Jody, I met her in a room on Clubhouse, a room called Trauma to Triumph. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in the interview today. But Jody is a certified health and life coach, and she helps women who are stressed and overwhelmed to, to live their best life and to overcome those obstacles in life and to do what she has done, to be like a phoenix and rise up against the things that want to beat you down. And so I'm going to bring Jody in here, and we'll get right to it. Hey, Jody, thank you for joining me today. Hi, how are you? I am doing fantastic. And I'm just so excited to be doing this interview today. I was so excited to meet you in the room on Clubhouse also, Trauma to Triumph. That's just really cool. And uh, uh, thank you. I got your information about what you'd been through, what you could share with my audience. I was just so floored because it's like this long list, like on an infomercial like they used to have. I haven't watched an infomercial in a really long time. But, you know, they would always go, and wait, there's more. And wait, there's more. And it's, that's kind of what you have been through. And so I know that you have you, you suffered childhood uh, physical abuse. But then I know you have a whole bunch of more things, even on top of that, that happened to you once you became an adult. Can, can you tell us about those, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on to your hats. Here we go. <laughs> It gets better. Um, So my biological dad was extremely abusive to us um, from birth through the first five years. Um, He put me in the hospital about five different times um, in that time period with broken limbs, head traumas, um, you, you name it. Um, And it was a really difficult situation and it, it came down to my mom, you know, either losing her children or leaving. So she found the strength. She did leave. Um, we lived in hiding for about four years. So we moved around a lot. Um, we couldn't give out our phone numbers. We couldn't give out our addresses. Um, quite often, you know, there was, we were counting the cans of stored food cause you know, we were food bank, we were limited income, we were just surviving. So, you know, when food bank days came, it was like Christmas, you know, or yeah. like churches would drop off food hampers. Wow. And I would, I remember, you know, that happening. And I just looked at my mom like, yes, it's like Christmas. <laughs> And she instantly burst into tears and like the members would of that congregation who had brought those food hampers just gathered around her and, and held her, you know, and as wow. a child, you don't understand that, right? You just think this is fantastic. But, you know, now as a mother, you know, having you different eyes, you know, hardship, it's just like, yeah. I know what she must have felt like, you know, with, wow. with that act, you know, so um fast forward I had a really happy childhood after that I had a great youth you know typical high school girlfriend boyfriend you know relationship great experience um my mom ended up being diagnosed with cancer she was supposed to 
have three months when I was 16. Wow. That didn't happen. So I had her for longer. Yay! Uh, yeah, I did. Wait, there's more. I'll get to that. I know. <laughs> That's only one thing. I mean. Right? Um, and so then I started a career in aesthetics. I went and I got my massage therapy by 2003. Um, I got married, had a baby, got married by 2005 and, you know, it was kind of living, I was really happy, you know, I was really like, yeah, I'm like, I'm an adult, I'm doing this thing, <laughs> right? How old were you when you first got married? Uh, I was, I was just 25 then, no, yes, 25 then, 2005, so yeah, we got married then, um, we had our daughter first, we bought our first place in that time period, um, but then it all flooded from top to bottom, I lost my house, I went to sleep with my baby girl, who's four months old, I woke up, and when I put my feet on the floor, it was like six inches of water, and it was because my washing machine water sensor had not gone off, and we were on the top floor, and had two levels and it just there was eight feet of water in the neighbors below me basement so that's a lot of water in two hours um so i lost everything there had to like get every it had to be gutted redone um moved in with my sister you know we're still a young new family still figuring things out so yes there was a lot of stress and arguments and everything but we got through it we moved back and it was a month and a day later. I had just finished unpacking the last box. It was one month, one month and a day later. Like, so we were evacuated for four months. We moved back and it was December 12th or I think around there. And I was at work and I get a frantic phone call from my husband saying, come home. The house is on fire. <gasps> and I'm just like, uh, it's probably just a little kitchen fire. It's fine, right? Like I was kind of annoyed. He called me at work. <laughs> so I had to cancel clients and you know, all that. And I'm driving home and I see flames jumping in the sky. And I thought this is not a kitchen fire. Wow. And that night we watched half the, our half that apartment building burn down. And we lost everything. So the flood, we were able to save the baby blankets, you know, get our possessions, right? Like, you know, it was only the structure that was damaged. All our possessions were fine. Um, but the fire took everything. The fire took heirlooms. The fire took, you know, computers and pictures and you know, oh. back when you had to get your photos developed, right? <laughs> <I remember> that. <laughs> right? Photo albums, like high school memoirs and stuff oh. like that. Like just all of it was gone. So we walked into the insurance company um, who was handling our flood insurance because like we hadn't even finished that claim. They were still finishing the little details on the rebuild wow. and they were actually talking about us. And we said, wait, wait, hold up. No, that doesn't need to be done. You don't need to set anybody else. Well, what do you wait, mean? There's more, right? Yeah. And uh, they said like, what do you mean? We don't need to send anybody else. And we're like, well, it burnt down last night. <laughs> so open and what nice. did they say? It burnt down. Yeah. It burnt <sighs> down. Well, like, what do you mean it burnt down? And I'm like, well, somebody had an explosion in their unit and it burned down. There's, there's no building to go back to. <laughs> Where did you go? Um, so my mom, we had just like, literally we had just left my sister's house and thank God we did because that was kind of a toxic day. thing. Oh my goodness. Right? Yeah. And so we knew that like, we were not going back there. Um, <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> you know, sisters are great, but there's a, there's a problem when two alpha females get in the same room, right? Mm. So my mom, you know, she said, well, come move back in with me. So literally like I had left her house cause we were living with her while I was pregnant. So summer was only uh, 10 months old. Mm -hmm. So like literally we had been out of her house since March. <laughs> and 
we were moving back that same year. So, wow. but she said this time was different. Like this time it was like, there was nothing to salvage. There was no place that we could go. Right. So I got wow. very familiar with how insurance companies worked and how to advocate for things that we pay for that we, mm -hmm. you know, we're insured for that insurance companies, I mean, they're in a business, they don't want to lose money, they don't want to pay out money. So you need yeah. to be able to play the game. So I learned somewhat of the game when the flood happened. And I learned more of the game even better with the fire. Yeah, and then we'll revisit that later with something we else. So what happened yes. after you moved back in with your mom then? Um, actually, this then was, something else happened after that, because you said you were 25 when yeah. the snow thing happened. Yeah. So remember when I said like my mom was given three months to live yes. when I was 16, 16, well, nine years earlier, wrong, right? And, you know, February 2006 came and she got sick again. And this was her third time. Oh, wow. And we knew that, you know, like things were bad, but like she'd always rallied before. Like in yeah. those nine years, she became an alternative health doctor. She had 10 different mobile clinics across Western Canada wow. that she would go visit, you know? So she was on the road for about six months of the year and she was home for six months of the year. So, and I worked alongside her. I learned, she taught me what she was learning. So I learned a lot about cellular nutrition, you know, how the body heals internally. She did live cell microscoping. So like we got to know a lot of clients and a lot of terminally ill clients because one of her struggles was that she had to go to all the specialists. She had to get out of bed, whether she was in pain or not, and go see them. And that's really why she opened her mobile clinics because she said, uh -huh. you know what, people, when you're sick as a when you're sick and you're turned away from the medical profession told to go plan your funeral you don't have the energy like it's all you can do to go see these specialized specialists and it's it's trauma it's torture yeah. so she did the best she could to go to the people you know mm -hmm. she went to their towns she went to their cities you know and saw them so that's kind of where i learned a lot of my foundation education was from her and yeah. I saw her drive. I saw that like, no matter what her diagnosis, she started picking up the pieces. It was not over. She did not lay down. She's like, she did not expect people to look after her. It was like, mm -hmm. no, what was me? She had double mastectomy and she's moving Oak office furniture in her office two weeks after surgery with drainage tubes. And I'm like, mom, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I need to reorganize. And I'm like, can you wait till dad gets home? Nope. Nope, she was a beast. <laughs> she was, yeah, at times a monster. <laughs> right? No, she was like a, like a beast. <laughs> like strong, like bull. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so but what happened? You said that something happened yeah. here. So this time was different. This time it had metastasized into the liver and she was given three days by the time she got into the hospital. And even at that time, we were thinking, no, no, like we'll use this as a stepping stone, but can you, can you do this treatment so that we can start draining her liver? And we had to fight for that. I learned how to fight with the medical system in order to advocate for the well-being. Yeah. And, um, my mother, my grandmother had died a year prior. So with her, even we had learned a lot with the me medical system. So your um, grandmother died before the flood and before the fire? My grandma, yes. Yeah, so she grandma, died before did, my daughter Your grandmother died born. and then there was a flood and the fire and then your mom. And a wedding and, you know, like just throw it all in that year, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, she did start getting better. And we're like, yeah, this is working. See, we're right. Like she's rebuilding. She's bouncing back. But then she plateaued. Mm -hmm. And on Mother's Day on 2006, she passed away with my grandpa's singing hymns to her while we were all out for a smoke break because she couldn't go with all of us there. So she got to go with the morning sun just the way that she wanted and um, got to leave. My grandpa brought her into this world and she got to leave with him carrying her out. So wow. that must have been so devastating for you. 
You know, it was. Um, losing two matriarchs in the family in a year and a half has catastrophic And your house effect. twice. Yeah. <laughs> losing your house twice and two matriarchs in a year and a half. It's kind of a lot, but still there's more. There is more. Yeah. But still so, there's more. Let's let's move on. What happened after that? Um we ended up doing bridge financing because our house was still being rebuilt and we were living in a client's basement. And as loving as my clients were, it just wasn't a really good fit for my husband and Summer and I. So we did bridge financing, expecting that the rebuild would be done in a year. And this was October and December was coming. Well, when you have condo boards, they don't have to disclose information until the very last moment. So we entered into bridge financing thinking that we would only do it for six weeks. And we were then told that, no, actually you're not gonna get possession again until March, which meant that the sale of our place could not happen until then. So we were paying two mortgages, two condo fees. Um, and my husband at that time said there was no way that he could get a second job doing his, you know, nine to five job that he was just too much. So I went out and I got a third job because I was bouncing between different clinics um, as a massage therapist and an esthetician. And I took up waitressing in the evenings on the slower day because I am a really crappy waitress. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have said I will never do waitressing. I, I know you don't want me to be your waitress. I treat waitresses no, really No, I'm nice. pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure customers did not want me as their waitress either, but they caught me. <laughs> um, and I worked three jobs until April when we had the final sale and everything. And then it was decided, you know what, let's have another baby, right? So... I told my husband that there was no way that I was going to go back to work right away with a second baby, um, like I did with my first, that I was going to take as much time as I needed because who knows how this baby sleeps. And good thing I did because she was up every two hours and she was a baby that never slept unless you were holding her. So if you put her down for a nap in the swing, in the bouncy chair, you know, just, and even like just quietly snuck away five, 10 minutes later, she would be awake calling me. <laughs> so plus a three-year-old, there's no way I could have gone back to work. And in that year, um, I let go of the finances. I took my hand off of the finances because my husband and I had came up with a budget in order to have this second baby. And we knew exactly what we needed to do and stick to and all of that jazz. It was 2009 by this time. And it was like almost a year later. Mm -hmm. And I went to put gas in my car, filled her up, and there was no money in the account. And my husband had just gotten paid the day before. What happened? That's when I started searching and going through bank statements and looking at things. And you know, I had given some permission for money to be spent, some line of credit to be used because we needed some house renovations. We needed um, to make the home a little bit better for summer because she had severe allergies. So the carpet needed to come up, you know, like mm -hmm. those types of things. So, but that wasn't overly expensive to do at that time. Now, cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah, let's not get started over there. Right? <laughs> Um, but there was more, there was stops at convenience stores. There were stops at Canadian tire. There were stops here and there, you know, like, and I never realized that he wasn't paying things back, that he wasn't really keeping a hand on it and being cautious. If he wanted it, he would go get it. Um, if I said, I would like to, he would do it. Right. Like, and I was trusting him because that's what women in my family do. We trust the men in our lives, right? I was raised Mennonite, you know, the husband was the head of the household, but he worked in the best interest of the family. I couldn't buy groceries. I remember there was one day specifically that I couldn't even give my kids um, 
breakfast in the morning. There was nothing except for a bag wow. of Did that give you flashbacks to when you were a little kid? Yeah, yeah, because I had said, like, like I would that? never do this. I would, ne- my wow. kids would never experience that. And wow. that day I was doing contract work at a bank doing pedicures because the manager would treat their staff, right? So I would do many pedicures for them. And I knew that if I could just get them to the day home, I could pay for the day home and I would have $80 left to go grocery shopping and get food for the kids. And there was a lot of financial abuse. In one year, it was $80,000 in debt. Like I'm not not talking like, you know, 20, you know, or 30. This was almost $100,000 in debt in one year. Um, we had no choice. We sold our place to just try and pay off some debt. We started renting. And as any woman knows that when you threaten the well-being of her children, and when you consistently make mistakes that do not keep the children first, we take steps in order to mitigate those damages and take control. And I lost a lot of trust for him. I lost a lot of respect for him. And the love that I did have for him was completely gone. So we stayed together for about a year. And then I told him, you know what? This isn't working. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be with somebody that actually loves you. And I deserve to trust again. Yeah. So I was the one that instigated the divorce. He did not want it, um, but I forced it. And I mean, that was in 2011. So it was, it was tough. It was a tough six years. It was bang, 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 bang. <laughs> yeah, and then we still, we still got what happened in 2018. Yeah, yeah. So in 2011, I not knowingly met my husband now. (laughs) So it was right after shortly that I had separated that he came into our lives and like, holy crap, so slow that down. And in 2012, it was decided that, you know what, we're going to be in us for the long haul. And we decided to have a baby together. She was born June 22nd, 2013, and he was working four hours away. So we had never really lived together. It was always a long distance relationship, but we were pretty amazing together, right? So I had three young children. (laughs) I was a very successful massage therapist. I was booked six months in advance and had a waiting list. Um, I I was thriving. I was great. And, but then, yeah, you know, and I don't want to say that like three children on your own really is easy. It was not, there was a move in there, um, to a larger place. And I was rebuilding a career again, because I had moved locations. So I needed to rebuild my practice. 2018 came and Well, there was a collision and that changed the trajectory of all of our lives. Well, what happened? Where were you going? What, what happened? So there had just been a massive snowstorm here and I was worried about the roads. And where do you live? I I didn't mention that to people. I didn't even mention that. I am in Alberta, Canada. Um, And my husband worked four hours away up north in the oil fields. So, yeah, so it gets cold there and we got snow. Um, And I was worried about the roads, but my husband, he is a manager of a trucking company or he was. So he's an expert at assessing road conditions. He's an expert at assessing driving capabilities. And he wasn't worried. He said, Jody, the roads are good. They're fine. Like you drive one hour out of home and you're fine. Like, it's just that one hour. I'm like, okay, yeah, roads are dry and clear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna trust Mike. He and I had that type of relationship. Wasn't always good, but we had that, like, we trust. Um, I remember leaving and 
we called Mike and Marley piped up and she said, daddy, are you excited to see your favorite four-year-old little girl? Cause like she had four sisters and um, she wanted to make that distinction that he wasn't choosing a favorite. It was, she was the favorite four-year-old, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he said he sure was. And they told each other how much they loved one another. And we hung up the phone and she was wiggling and giggling and just bouncing in her little car seat like she did because she had a surprise for him. Oh, wow. She was wearing overalls and he loved overalls, but overalls were for boys. Like <laughs> boys, they, they were not for little girls and she was a girly girl. And... Um, she she couldn't keep still and the next thing I know I'm leaning over I'm hunched over my steering wheel and knowing not to move and I heard a man's voice and I pleaded with him to call my husband and inside I was thinking I can't hear Marley I don't know how she is I can't hear Marley and my heart said, Marley is gone. And my head basically told the heart to shut up <laughs> and said, she's hurt, not gone. And I wanted to call out to her, but I chose not to because I figured if she was unconscious and hurt, I didn't want her to wake up and be in pain. And then I heard Mike's voice and I asked him if it was Saturday and he said yes it was and I asked if we were coming to see him because I was really confused and he said yes you were and I told him Mike I can't hear Marley I don't know how she is I can't hear Marley were you still in the car I was still in the car I was still hunched over I don't believe I had moved um because I just, I knew not to move, right? Like, just don't move. That's what I was being told over again. Don't move, don't move, don't move. Um, and not by anybody outside. It was just an internal knowing. Um, that's the last memory I have of that day. And I remember waking up in the ICU, being intubated, my hands tied, having a neck collar on. How scary. Oh my goodness. That yeah. must have been terrifying. Your hands are tied and oh. oh. It was, they had me on a lot of drugs. <laughs> so it was more of a confusion. Sorry, if that noise gets too loud, let me know. They're moving trees apparently. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm moving. Sorry. You brought out the saw. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to hear a chainsaw? <laughs> no, no. Um, so how did you deal with all this aftermath of all this big pile and then you're in the hospital and I mean. Yeah, oh. yeah so I woke up three different times and two of those times I remember being given a pen and a paper and I would write husband girls, dad, Marley. And I got all the answers except for Marley. So the second time I woke up and they did that, I, husband, girls, Marley. <laughs> and I, in my mind, I was writing really big and I underlined. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that. And I believe that it was that day or the next day that it was decided that I be told because they had been trying to keep this mother in a chemically induced coma. And I was telling her that she'd lost her child would not be good for her biting yeah. ability inside. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, they didn't even know if I would survive, you know, that accident. Um, later on, the paramedics a few of them came to see me and they said like wow. the way that you were responding and talking, like you were coherent, you were fine. You would occasionally say that your legs hurt, 
but that was the only complaint that you made. You were confused, but what we discovered when we pulled you out, no one could have been prepared for. Like we, we were wondering how you were doing it because apparently I was awake. I was coherent. I just had no memory of that. And what had happened was Marley died instantly on impact. Another driver came and hit us head on at highway speeds across the center lane in 1.8 seconds. And we know that because at 1.8 seconds, I applied the brake. So I saw him coming. He had more time than I did. I saw him coming. And when Mike told me this, he couldn't even touch me. He couldn't even lay his hand on the bed because I could feel the vibration of people's breathing, even if they touched the bed frame through my shattered bones. Wow. And I was shattered. Um, I had, when I first came in, I was not stable enough to go in for surgery. So they just used external rods. They drilled them in to my bone in order to hold me in place until I became stabilized. Wow. I had compound fractures in both of my femurs. I had compound fractures in my right tibia. I had multiple complete breaks. So like a fracture is a hairline, right? We often hear that a hairline Mm -hmm. fracture, a complete break is when it's broken clean through the bone, like just solid. Um, I had multiple complete breaks in both of my femurs. I had multiple complete breaks in both of my tibias and both of my fibulas were completely like completely shattered in three or more places. Wow. My right ankle, my, I broke all of my toes. So like the metatarsals on your, on your toe, metatarsals, I think so. <laughs> it's been yeah, a long time so. for anatomy. <laughs> um, so like, here's your toes. They got all broken clean down here in the foot. Um, I had external rods holding my foot in place. So that also was in the toes um, that they screwed into. Um, my talus was completely obliterated because my foot literally, and I just learned this actually this summer, um, where my husband was talking about it and my foot, because it was on the break like this, it went back, but then out to the side. So like my foot was completely distorted. Um, my ankle was completely obliterated. So I have plates. I have screws, I have rods inside the bone. So like, if you can imagine a metal rod um, being inserted into the broken bones, but how they do that is they hammer, they drill in holes that are straight. So like shatteredness, right? And you're trying to keep the holes as straight as possible when you're thinking about this. So they're drilling that. And then they put in a feeder line. So they do that. And then they start putting in the rod and it's not just easily like placed in the hole. The hole is smaller than this rod. So they literally have to take a hammer and hammer in those rods into the bone and try doing that on shattered broken pieces and then or something oh my goodness exactly exactly but like not so friendly like shish kebabs we just slide things on and it tastes nice and fits shish kebabs are nice we like shish kebabs because you eat them and they're wonderful and and we go away from this bone chilling story for a minute right? think about food that we like and oh, i'm gonna have shish kebabs yes. on There's, my birthday <laughs> there is the comic relief coming at you yes we need to have them from time to time yeah so how did you how did you oh how long were you in the hospital and how long were you in therapy i mean this is grueling how long did all of this this take and so how they did predicted- you keep yourself going through that they predicted 10 months of me being in the hospital. And I, um, for, to keep this PG, um, I said, no, <laughs> I had a lot of choice words and I'm like, you guys are wrong. And I didn't say it so nicely. Um, so you were like your mom there. Mm-hmm. 
you're like your mom with the drains in her going and moving the furniture. You're like, no, peace out. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Like you guys don't know your anatomy like this massage therapist does. Like (laughs) I only have broken bones and it takes six weeks for bones to heal. Like it's not going to be 10 months. Like you guys are idiots, right? Like, and I didn't say that so nicely. (laughs) Well, thank you for, for taming it down a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was in the ICU for a week and a few days and then they moved me to the trauma unit and I was there for a month and then they moved me to one of the best Western, um, where I live, we have one of the best Western rehabilitation hospitals, um, in my area. So luckily I got into that one and, um, I was out in four months. Wow. I was out in four months. (laughs) And it was, I remember being in the trauma unit and my kids coming to see me and all of these decisions being made about them. And, you know, I couldn't go home with them. I couldn't cry with them in their beds. I couldn't, you know, hold them, you know, when the world was shattered they lost their home. Like they instantly went to go live with their bio dad. I had 75% custody. And because I obviously couldn't care for them, they went to go live in his two bedroom apartment where we had a four bedroom house and a large yard and a large front yard and a basement. So they lost everything that they knew besides their dad and the school that they went to, their whole world stopped. And I couldn't be there for them. And as a mother, you know, having fought so hard to give them the life that they had from where we were. Yeah. That's a lot like of a complex emotion going on there. You're fighting for your life. You're fighting yeah. for your own body healing. You have the loss of Marley. And then you have what you can't do for your children. That, that is a lot of complex emotion. And yeah. how, did you, how did you deal with that? I definitely didn't feel like a mother. (laughs) Um, I got angry and I lashed out at, you know, specifically my husband a lot um, just because he was there, right? Um, Sounds like a trauma response. (laughs) It was very much so a trauma response. Um, But I knew I had to get back to them. I knew that they needed me that I needed to get out of the hospital and I needed to be the mom. You know, I needed to be able to hold them. I needed to be able to, to be there for them. And I made this decision one, like a few days after I got moved into the trauma ward. And it was, what was my driving force is when, when a person dies, if the body is prepared correctly, you have about two months before the body actually starts decomposing. Marley, unfortunately, was not prepared correctly. They sent her to a completely different town than we were in. Um, and it took them a week to actually send her to where we were. And by that time, the clock had started ticking. So we had one week. And I wasn't even sitting up yet. I wasn't even, you know, able to really sit up because of pain. Um, And I decided then that I wanted to be at her viewing because we knew that we were going to do a viewing and we were going to postpone the funeral, but we were going to do a viewing. And I wanted to be there. I wanted to see her. And I wanted to be there for Summer and River, my two girls, because like they shouldn't have to go through that without a mother. Yeah. How long after the accident was this viewing you're talking about? We had two weeks and I found out. Two weeks after that accident, you went to a viewing? That last week that I had, I practiced and practiced and practiced sitting up and every day the bed would go up a little bit more for a little bit longer. And then we'd lay back down one week, like the day after I got into trauma, the nurses came and asked if I would like to get into a wheelchair. 
So this was two weeks after you were in the trauma unit. No, this was one week after ICU still. Okay, so how, how long were you in ICU again? So like you were there for a month though, right? I was in ICU for a week, a trauma week. for a month. Okay. Yeah. So this viewing so, was after you were, one week after you were in the trauma? Yes, so two weeks. Wow. And the first day that I was in trauma, when they asked if I wanted to get in the wheelchair, I said yes. Now, I had not been sitting up yet. Did you have the rods in you as of yet? Yes. They had the rods in you by yeah. this time. Yeah. I had <sighs> my surgeries done. My legs were like this, <laughs> swollen. Um, it took six people to move me, but I moved because I knew that the more I moved, the sooner my body would start healing. And wow. that's from my education of massage therapy, working alongside chiropractors, working alongside my mom. The body does not heal unless in motion. So we hear all wow. the time, rest, recuperate, sleep. Yes, we need that. But the body cannot start rebuilding unless you move. Wow. So I knew this. And I was still in my denial of like, it's going to be six weeks and I'll be fine. <laughs> so we had the viewing two weeks after. And I don't know how I did it, but both of my girls broke down and both of my girls sat on my lap in that wheelchair. And nobody knows to this day how I did that because I still couldn't handle people touching me. But wow. that day, I think that's supernatural when stuff like that happens. That's just God showing up. You need this. I'm giving you this, yeah. you know, and adrenaline and all this stuff, like just the yeah. things he built into the body. Like you said, how the body heals and yeah. how you were prepared is really miraculous too, through the warrior mindset of your mom and the example that she lived in front of you and the training that you had, like you mentioned, the massage therapy, and you you were a Reiki master. I say that yep. right. Okay. Reiki. Just think <laughs> you know, Ray and stuff. So you had all this education to apply in this time. That's just wow. Yeah, yeah my kids were my driving force, and they needed me. They needed me, and I knew how to do the work, like. And because I was a massage therapist for 15 years, when a physiotherapist, because in the rehabilitation hospital, you're doing physio five days a week for an What's hour. Physio. Physiotherapy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure my listeners do not know what physiotherapy oh, okay. is. So please elaborate. <laughs> what is physiotherapy? Okay, so physiotherapy is trained professionals that know how to move the body and what exercises for you to do in order to help the body heal. So at the time I couldn't even move my legs. So they would rig me up into slings on a pulley system so that I could move like in a laying position, stretch out my hip. So I could stretch out like different areas of me. Um, they had kind of, my favorite, not so favorite thing <laughs> was it looked like a little slider on a wooden, you know, like a treadmill almost on mm -hmm. a wooden thing. Right. And that's where I would put my heel and they would tell me, bend your knee. I'm like my knee is freaking shattered. I'm not bending my knee. <laughs> and I'd say, bend your knee. And just even a slight movement. That's what they were looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what like, you know, because you got to remember that because I was so shattered, I couldn't move the muscles, right? It's not like if I had a broken leg and I was in a walking boot, I could still. Mm -hmm. So you had not only the muscle injury from like all the compound fractures and the surgery. Right. And for those listening and watching who don't know what that is, a compound fracture is when the bone comes through the skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My husband's so, had one of those before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not nice. No. <laughs> um, so even the idea of your brain thinking, okay, I'm going to move. And even if it's a millimeter of a movement that starts getting mind body connection and that starts mm. activating muscle because I wasn't able to weight bear on my legs for three months. 
So that means that- Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The six weeks that I thought, no, 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 three months. you're, you're atrophying, you know, your muscles are deteriorating because you are not using them. Mm -hmm. So, so the term use it or lose it really does hold a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So physiotherapists are trained on how to do certain movements for certain injuries. So, um, up until then, I really had no use for physio. I figured massage and Cairo were like the elite and then you go to physio. But yeah, now I think knowing- that what it is, is in here in America, they call it physical therapy. Oh, okay. So I think it's probably the same thing, but I'm like physio. It's like, well, maybe that's just because it's <laughs> the Canadian way to say it, which is just fine. <laughs> well, and that is the long way of saying it. I never even thought to say physical because it's just known as physio. <laughs> well, that's what you call it. That's fine. Not a problem. Yeah. So you went through all this and you had your, your daughters on your lap and you had this viewing, you finally get on your weight bearing in three months. And then how long did it take for you to, you know, be able to go home and start rebuilding your life? And yeah. So when you first start walking, you're literally on a machine, mechanical machine that you can hold your body weight up because like I hadn't used my legs in three months. They couldn't hold me up. Plus they're still very much, and a lot of people don't realize this, but they're very much still broken. They're like, I learned to walk again on shattered bones. When you have breaks, like you, like I did, actually the femur is never expected to heal, right? Typically, if you break a femur, you have a fracture for the rest of your life. It never fully heals. So it's very painful. It sounds very painful. But okay, so here's my determination. Here is like, this is where my mom comes in. This is where like my stamina comes in. My rod that I have in my right tibia, I actually bent it. (laughs) Because- How did you bend it by trying to walk? (laughs) Because I put too much weight on. when they gave me walking orders but yet nobody tells you how much weight to put on they're just like you know if it hurts and how do you measure how much weight too oh I I knew that it didn't hurt like it did (laughs) (laughs) right so it is actually bent and it's because I practiced every day I didn't just do physical therapy you know for an hour a day I was practicing in my hospital room. I was practicing, I was doing it in, you know, my hospital bed when I, when I wasn't there, I was doing it when I was sitting in the wheelchair, you know, like I put everything into motion. I made sure that I had upper body physical training because I knew that if my upper body was strong enough, then Mm -hmm. it could hold me up that much longer so that I could even just do the motions. Because remember how I said, like, if you can just do the motion, it starts healing. The mind-body connection, yes. (laughs) So I could do basically a lap, two laps around the physical therapy room, right? Which is probably the size of your standard 24 or not 24, 1200 square foot home. Mm. Right. And that was considered enough to go home, but I still couldn't stand to prepare a meal. I still couldn't have the endurance to, you know, take care of myself. So I moved in with my sister's family. My husband and I had separated by this time. Um, That was another thing. He, we and I, he and I were both in trauma response and not functioning very well. And he left five weeks after the accident. Oh, wow. So I was, I was on my own. I was grieving and fighting to get back to my kids and get the life back that I had. And I didn't have my husband there to go through it with me. Wow. So we were, we were both hurting really bad. And yeah, when- but bring us up into today, now you guys are working on getting back together and you're getting your kids back and mm-hmm. share with us a little bit of your victories now. 
so we can go, yeah. Yeah, right? Like enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) So in the first year, you're basically physically recovering. And Mm -hmm. I do want to say one thing so that people know, because if they ever find themselves in a similar situation, Mm -hmm. right, or injuries, you have that first year is so pivotal. And most people, once they get released from the hospital, regress by 50% because they stop doing physical therapy. I didn't do that. I knew I had to keep moving. So I implemented a physical therapy regime just like I had in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then three months after that, I added to it. So I'm still doing physical therapy, um, not as often, but I still am. But I do rehabilitation yoga and I added that in three months after my release. And then in November of 2018, I was doing the physical therapy, I was doing the yoga. Now I'm gonna add in rehabilitation TRX, which is total body resistant training, right? Who specialize with rehabilitation and get that strength back up. And I'm still doing all of that today. This will be a lifetime thing because the body has memory. The body Mm -hmm. remembers those injuries and it will always have a tendency to be weaker. I still at times cannot support my whole body weight going down the stairs. And when I'm not, it's more like going down a stair and then falling and going down the stair, falling, (laughs) right? It's getting more graceful but I still don't have that muscle stamina. And that's mm. three and a half years later. So can you imagine where I would be with, if I had stopped? Yeah, that would be awful. Walker. I would still need a cane. I would still need a wheelchair. And, and I we saw you get up and go in the house because they were moving trees. Right, right. Like I don't need any of that. And you just got up and just walked in the house. Just, so I, I want to pause here and talk to my audience and tell you, if you do the work, you'll get the results. Mm-hmm. I don't say the work is easy. The work is not easy. But if you want the results, you got to do the work like Jody has done here and whatever kind of work you have to do in your life. And what her mom had to do when her mom had an abusive husband who was abusing the kids, she needed to leave. She had to do the work to do that and then work through that. And all the things that she had accomplished. So I just want to encourage you, do the work, find your driving force. Like Jody had used her, her kids were her driving force and her, her passion for life and the example of her mom. And so Jody, what is this what caused you to start that room in Trauma to Triumph? Yeah, so after that first year, I decided, well, I finally accepted I wouldn't be going back to massage therapy because the body wouldn't tolerate that, doesn't have the stamina, never will anymore to be employed competitively. Like maybe I could do one or two a day mm-hmm. or a week, but not every day. Um, so I started coaching. I enrolled in a coaching institute and I really was able to implement everything I learned from like 1996 when my mom was first diagnosed from some nutrition to like terminal illness, to recovery, to like everything I learned from my aesthetics and and my massage and like what I had learned from the chiropractors that I worked with. Right. And now I'm implementing that into coaching. So I graduated in January, 2020. (laughs) Just in time. Just in time. Right. But I really do feel like I was coaching my massage clients beforehand and I was Mm -hmm. teaching them how to get better. I was talking to them about cellular nutrition. I was talking about, you know, how to move the body, you know, how pain is not a good thing, but it's okay if you're annoyed with how it feels, right? (laughs) Like there is a big difference. And so I'm bringing all of this knowledge and now all of this new life experience you know, trauma upon trauma upon trauma, and I'm putting yeah. it all together into my coaching programs. And that's what really inspired me to start a room in Clubhouse called Trauma to Triumph. And I've partnered up with two other amazing coaches, uh, Rachel Weaver and Chantier Johnson. And we do these rooms every Friday and Sunday in Clubhouse. And we allow people to tell their stories. But greater than that, we give tools 
and share triumphs and we share little things. I had one lady, she was messaging me earlier this week or later last week, actually. And she's like, it's just really hard. And like, I just have, you know, I'm succeeding at nothing. And I'm like, well, are you out of bed today? Well, yeah, I'm out of bed. I'm like, did you brush your teeth? Yeah, I brushed my teeth. I'm like, that's a win. Like, and then she's like, well, I also did the dishes. And I'm like, oh my God. So you contributed to your house not smelling and you're going to like, we got to celebrate kitchen. every victory. Sometimes right? the victories, like you, you said, when you were in the physiotherapy, they wanted you to just move a little bit. A yeah. victory doesn't have to be huge, but if you add them together, they can big a, build a big, huge pile of victories. Like look where you are now. And you're doing a special event uh, next Wednesday, aren't you? I am. So I'm doing a short seminar on how to transform your pain. And this teaches how you can transform it cellularly, digestively, emotionally, mentally, physically. You know, this, this seminar is all about how it comes together and how it supports one another. And without this piece, you know, people can be doing all the movements. They can be doing all the yoga and the meditation and the somatic emotional releases and like whatever work that you're doing you could be going to counseling but if you don't have all of it together mm -hmm. then you're putting band-aids on it and okay uh -huh. i'm gonna put band-aids here oh well now i gotta pay attention to over here so let's take that band-aid and put it over here and oh well now we gotta go over here so it's more and, like you're building a puzzle yeah so when we bring all the pieces together cellular mm -hmm. nutrition movement you know how it affects you know the emotional well-being you know like the same lady she said well i walked my dog today and i'm like so you got physical activity and you took care of something else like that's awesome so what's the date of this uh is it, is it a webinar or a seminar what, yeah, what exactly it's a seminar. is it what's the date and time it's a seminar um, in, on Wednesday, so the 6th, I believe. Of August. Oh, August, holy crap, we're August already 6th. there. <laughs> and it's at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So um, I'll provide the links and it is a register event so you can get that Zoom link and people will be able to ask their questions in real time and talk to me in real time and I will talk to you. like. This is about building rapport. This is about building trust. This is about like educating you so that you can start taking control of your life. Because I say this all the time, life will happen. Okay. A lot of coaches will say life is happening for you, not against you. And I call BS. Okay. <laughs> I am not a coach that will tell you that. Okay. Okay. So how can people connect with you? What is your website where they can uh, connect with you and register for your event? Yeah. So my website is www.elementsofwellness.org. Um, and I will put that link in, in the comment or under this video as well. And you can reach out to me. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And this is a free uh, seminar, right? Absolutely. Completely free. Awesome. So I want to make that so my, my audience knows that you can register for that. And I'll include the link also once I get this all organized in all the different places where I put it, even though when it gets on the podcast, this will probably be past that. But you can still reach out to Jody and connect with her at elementsofwellness.org. Yes. So I want to I thank you for being with me today, Jody. This was just now we could just talk for hours and hours. We have gone twice as long as we I normally do, but it was just such a compelling story that you have to share. So I just want to say thank you for thank sharing you so your story with us today. You are so welcome. And thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I'll talk to you in a few minutes, okay? Okay, awesome. Thank you. Okay, everyone. So Thank you. If you have made it all the way to the end of this, because it was so compelling, what a story that Jody has to share. Oh my goodness. And what a warrior spirit that she has. And I just want to encourage you again, that no matter what you're dealing with in life, if you will do like what Jody did, make a choice that you want to get well. And Dig into your warrior, your warrior spirit inside of you. And if you need help, which we all do to some extent somewhere, reach for the help 
that you need. You can reach for help for me. You can reach for Jody. You can go get a professional counselor, but reach for help because healing happens together. And so I'm Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. And I'll see you soon. soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Victoria Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at DanielleBurnock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.